Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Well, at least Nate Shellman's not here today. That's true. Mike Casper still isn't here. <laughs> Good morning. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today, who is still on the mend after, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it sounded like he got pretty sick over the weekend. Uh, I yeah, mean, what do you Nate, know about it, Chris? Nate, I don't. I don't know anything about it except that uh, he was having extremely bad. Uh, I want to call it gastroenteritis or something of that nature. <laughs> something like that that has Ga- to do gastritis. with backside. Yep. Uh, well, you know, front side, backside. I mean, everything. Nothing. Okay. N- nothing can be depended upon at this time. Understood. Uh, but yeah, he's still uh, he's still uh, feeling it. Huh? Sick as of today. So all right, we, we don't know. He might be back tomorrow. Uh, good morning. Uh, along with Chris Walton, I'm Rick Worthington and Nathaniel behind the board over here getting things done. Thank you to Nate for filling in yesterday. Just so you understand, usually it's my responsibility to come in and fill in for one of these two dudes that, uh, is out, but I was off for the Easter holiday and had driven all the way to California and man, was that a mistake? Um, just because of the driving, we had a great time in California, got to visit my family, um, I hadn't had an opportunity to let my my little girls spend time and visit my grandparent or my parents in California. Mm-hmm. So they enjoyed the heck out of that. And I'm very, very happy that we did it. It was a very good decision. But gas was five dollars and sixty five cents a gallon at the corner store. Five sixty five. Five sixty five. Good grief. And it was more expensive in Sacramento. It was quite a bit more expensive as you get down the road towards San Francisco where they have even higher gas taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that sucked. Not going to lie. That cost a little bit more than I thought it would. So uh, I come back a little lighter in the wallet, but uh, altogether a, a very nice Easter holiday. Um, would you have saved, I'm glad to be back. Would you have saved money by flying? I would not have mm. um, because it wouldn't have just been me going. I was taking other people as well. Right. So I'll, I'll explain. Uh, my... Mother and father-in-law uh, are on Social Security and pension. And, you know, you're trying to keep a budget on that little coming in. You got to really tighten your belt. And so for them to get up and drive to Reno or Denver or Wyoming to see family, just not a good idea right mm. now with gas the way it is. So as we're driving through Reno, I say, hey, why don't I drop you guys off? at uh you know one of your son's house and you could spend easter with them and i'll pick you up on the way back you could drive right through reno to where we're going on i-80 corridor so drop them sounds off. like a fantastic so idea my what? girls my in-laws and i in the truck that's how we rolled out there mm-hmm. but it was not a good time to be driving the pickup truck all the way to california where i got about i don't know 16 17 miles a gallon that so was you bad. Frequently had to stop for gas, which basically emptied your wallet every time. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. The girls would say, "Dad, do we get to stop and have lunch?" Be like, "Nope." Spent that money back in the last yeah. stop. We, no, we, we did. We I spent just... our budget for today. Yeah. No more meals. <laughs> but it's not even breakfast yet. Yeah. In any case, it, it was a nice trip, and I'm glad to be back. And I'm sorry that Mike Casper isn't here today. There is a very big story that we will be discussing today, and it has everything to do with mask mandates. As you probably heard during news at the top of the hour, a judge in Florida 
an appointee of President Trump, struck down the federal mask mandate, and it created a domino effect, as dang near everyone in the nation now is examining those mandates, saying, well, I think it's time that we took those things down. Casper, uh, a, a lot of times on this program over the past few months, has predicted that... Uh, the airlines, when told they no longer had to have a mask mandate, would keep it and -hmm. would continue to have people wearing masks because uh, apparently it's been cutting down on even the flu and colds uh, people get on airplanes, Mm -hmm. Uh, at least a little, I guess. I haven't seen the stats, but apparently it's helped a little. And um, so he was saying that now they'll probably just make you wear a mask forever now when you uh, travel. And it was funny because after the announcement was made, uh, I think it, the first airline dropped in like two and a half minutes or something. Yeah, it didn't take very long. By the way, there was a release last night from the Boise airport, city of Boise, saying that city staff at the Boise airport, as well as passengers, masks are now optional. They will no longer be mandated inside the airport. So take that affects in. you if you are traveling today. You do not have to wear a mask inside the Boise airport unless you choose to do so. And I think that's the important thing. It is not the kind of deal where they're saying you can't wear a mask. You, of course, can if you feel like it. How many will? I don't know. I'll tell you this, though. Um, my little girls both had colds last week. Hmm. And as they were going to be traveling in the pickup with grandma and grandpa and just getting over a cold, didn't know if they were contagious or not. So the girls wore masks in the truck because they were sitting next to grandma and grandpa. And it was just a courtesy to try and not get them sick while we were traveling. And grandma and grandpa still feel pretty good. So I'm hopefully that that made a difference. But all the same, that wasn't wasn't a mandate in the Worthington truck. Mm -hmm. It was just dad saying, hey, girls, if you don't mind. Keep that mask up so that yeah. you don't sneeze on your grandparents. To the girls, it might have been a man. It might have been. It might have been. Yeah, overall, they, no. You know, they they were polite about it. They they did whatever thing I think everybody should do, which is like, oh, it's yeah, I don't want to get anybody sick. In any case, if you don't want to wear a, wear a mask, and that's totally up to you, yeah. you don't have to. And I guess that's you know that's the point we're making today. So uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. We'll also hear a little bit later uh, during uh, just before. Five o'clock this morning, uh, there was a reporter that works for the Insider and discusses policy, and she discussed the uh, what exactly happened in court and how fast all those mask mandates came down. We'll hear from her a little bit later on this morning as well. Uh, also, we heard a little bit from David Leroy yesterday discussing the. I think you guys brought this up. Uh, during your program yesterday, Chris, in in regards to the debates that we will not be having? Yeah. The fact that Governor Little had said, uh, my record is uh, undebatable. 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 To which David Leroy said, no, no, it's not. Well, we will discuss that a little bit today. I, I may have a different take than others on this. We'll see, but we'll talk about that coming up here. One of the things we touched on yesterday was that uh, a debate is essentially to uh, help people understand what you have planned for the future, not just to review what you've done in your past. And so... uh, Not anymore. His his record in the future does not yet speak for itself. That is correct. 
All right, let's talk about that a little bit today. And, of course, we'll open up the lines for you because that's what we do around here. The number to call, 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI, or pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. And we will uh, get your calls in today as well. First, though, it's time that we take a look at sports. It's brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian. I have not yet heard what the soup of the day is at Fat Guys Fresh Deli, but uh, usually it's tomato mm-hmm. on Monday. Uh, so I, I guess I'll shoot in the text to my boys to see what exactly is going on over there. But stop by and see them. They're right over there by uh, Mountain View High School. I was trying to remember the high school for a minute. It's on the Overland. Ma- the you, Mavericks. It's awesome. Stop by and see him today at Fat Guy's Fresh Deli. Well, first and foremost, we want to tell you about Leon Rice, who is bringing back a familiar coach to join his coaching staff as an assistant. Roberto Bergerson, who was the Big West Player of the Year in 1999 and was drafted in the second round by the Atlanta Hawks, joins the Boise State staff. He replaces R.J. Barsh, who takes an assistant's position at Florida State. Bergerson is excited to be back in Boise. It means everything. It's a pretty uh, surreal experience um, to be here. And my middle son is here and is talking to him about, you know, running gassers on the football field at 530 in the morning and, you know, running up the stadium steps right here. And then to, you know, kind of be able to come full circle and actually start a new circle here is, is, is a surreal feel. Bergerson was an assistant at Eastern Washington this past season and is coached at the high school and prep levels as well as on the AAU circuit. He also played professionally for 11 seasons and had his number retired by the Idaho Stampede. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Once again, brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli. Always trust a fat sandwich. Call him ahead today at 208-855-0424. KBOI News Time is 616. Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Mike Casper out today. I'm Rick Worthington, filling in, along with Chris Walton over here. Debates. Apparently, we will not be seeing many debates ahead of the primary. Idaho Congressman Mike Simpson uh, has decided he is not going to debate his opponent, which is not known by everybody. It's an Idaho Falls attorney, Brian Smith. Uh, They were going to debate on Idaho Public Television. Uh, Representative Priscilla Giddings has decided she is not going to debate Scott Bedke for lieutenant governor. Probably wise. At least that's my take on it. <laughs> and Governor Brad Little has said he doesn't have any intention to get on the stage with Lieutenant Governor Janice McGeehan or Ed Humphreys to discuss anything. In the past, this has been something that, I don't know if you'd call it a gentleman's agreement, but it was just kind of understood that if you were a serious candidate, you did participate in uh, not just one, but many debates. And for the most part, candidates have always adhered to that, or they haven't been elected. And this is really the first time that I can remember that so many different offices have just said, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to debate. And, and possibly because those in the lead just assume that, okay, if we don't debate, I'll just stay in the lead. Well. I- I don't have the same take on it as I think everybody does, but I'll hang on to that for now. I, I want to get to this because David Leroy, uh, who has held a number of <laughs> positions here in Idaho over the years, talked a little bit about it with Nate Shellman yesterday. Do, do you enjoy the debates, or are you just oh, this is gonna this is gonna be terrible? Well, I kind of do, but remember, my uh, debate history goes back to running for attorney general, lieutenant governor, and then I. Uh, 
was was either the uh, winner or the victim of a debate with Cecil Andrus. He, as uh, the former governor, former Secretary of Interior, would only agree to one statewide debate with me as the challenger, uh, the Republican challenger in 1986. But I'm a strong believer in debates, and uh, though it may be like herding cats, uh, we ask our voters to be informed. And one of the best ways to inform them is to see the candidates side by side in the same arena with uh, the same question. I said earlier that if, and, and I, I I use the word consequence or ramification loosely, I, I don't think there should be a, 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 an outright penalty. However, if there is no change, I, uh, I fear this will be more, uh, we'll see more events like this. We'll see more behavior like this from incumbents who are who are up for re-election and decide, nope, my record is non-debatable. Well, I think that's probably true. Um, unfortunately, what we've seen this season in Idaho, particularly at the top of the ticket, uh, the highest up races, is debates are being regarded as a tactic rather than a commitment. And that's a terrible thing. It, it is sadly, and I say that uh, lovingly for my friends who are bowing out, but uh, we simply have got to be committed to the system. And if that's free and open elections, it ought to be running all the way back to my buddy Lincoln uh, and the Lincoln-Douglas debates. It ought to be a commitment to public expression and dialogue and question and answer and and even uh, mixing it up uh, one-on-one uh, across the 15 feet of space from your opponent. That's an important insight for the voters. And to give those up, especially at the top of the ticket in seriously contested races, vigorously contested races, or even in races that are not contested at all. If we cannot see our candidates in debate, uh, the public is a big loser. And so I think are the elected officials. Once again, David Leroy talking yesterday with Nate Shellman about uh, the debates and who is bowed out. Chris, I, I look at it like this. If it's a presidential debate and the race is close, and they usually are, you hold the debate. You get in there and you mix it up and you try and get your point across. You look like the better candidate and you you get votes. But in a local election, I know this much. You want to know how many people watch those debates on public television? Damn near nobody. Yeah, I was going to say it. Nobody. The the ratings are probably not terribly high. Nobody's watching the lieutenant governor candidate's debate. Who gives a rip? Now, I I say that because I give a rip, but if you're the front runner and you're looking at maybe burying your opponent, why would you get on TV and potentially do something dumb? You know what? I don't necessarily know that I want to vote for somebody who is really worried that on TV they would do something dumb. Well, I'll buy I that. I prefer those people that you, you, I'll buy you can, that. You can bet that uh, for most of the hours of the day, they're not going to do dumb things. Let me put it to you like this, and then we'll we'll get to our break. If I'm Governor Brad Little, I probably got a four to one, maybe three to one superiority in votes right now on Janice McGeehan. Why would I get on stage with Little Miss Crazy Pants and give her any credibility whatsoever? She's already destroyed her credibility. Why get on stage and help her reestablish that? <laughs> you don't do it. 
My take. If you want to call in, talk about it, 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI. KBOI News Time is 628. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, 641. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today, along with Chris Walton. Chris, we were uh, talking a little bit about uh, David Leroy, who joined uh, Nate Shellman yesterday to talk about these debates and why they are not happening and talking a little more about that. I wanted to play a, a little more of this interview, if we can, and uh, just kind of get a little more on his take. Once again, Nate Shellman talking with David Leroy. One candidate uh, feels their opponent's gotten uh, has been heard from too much. Another candidate didn't approve or was made aware of who was going to be on the uh, on the panel. And another candidate uh, felt that their record was non-debatable. Other candidates are trying to figure out if they should participate in a debate where the incumbent isn't present. Because the gubernatorial debate, the GOP gubernatorial debate, to my knowledge, isn't canceled yet. Who all who is going to show up is yet to be determined because the governor isn't going to be there. Which of those, which of those reasons, as the lawyer, how would you rank them from worst? Which is the worst? <laughs> oh, you're putting me on the spot. Ah, I you called it. You called in, sir. That's true. A big mistake. Um, With all due respect to the governor, uh, my record is undebatable, is uh, never true of any record, any time, any place. But uh, all of those explanations are just spin from the campaign manager's point of view or the outside consultant's point of view. If uh, candidates think they've got a substantial lead or either a substantial risk, uh, then perhaps uh, any excuse will do to ease them out the door. But it's a it's a grave mistake, I think, for the candidates. Uh, we can't hide once elected. Uh, we can't hide uh, when uh, the, the chips are down and tough decisions need to be made. And you shouldn't be able to hide during a campaign. I'm sorry, but that's my opinion. David Leroy uh, joining us here on the phone. No stranger to debates, no stranger to uh, to elected office. Uh, and and Maybe, I don't know if you want to shed some insight as to your race uh, four years ago or any of your races, but uh, as to what the level of actual personal respect you had for some, most of your opponents, whomever you were debating against, whoever you were running against. This year, uh, the top top opponents seem to not just be opponents, but also harbor a personal uh, dislike if you will. Well, a lot of that polarization that characterizes our national dialogue uh, has come home, unfortunately, to roost a bit in our uh, elections this year in Idaho. Uh, I don't like the animus. I like uh, Ronald Reagan's 10th commandment or 11th commandment. uh, Thou shalt not speak ill of another Republican in a primary. That's long gone and uh, long faded into history. Nevertheless, uh, a good, sharp dialogue and comparison and criticism still has a debate uh, place, and it still ought to be seen firsthand on a stage uh, live on the radio or live on the television. And uh, the animus, uh, I think, is insightful to the voter as well. If someone is professional and polite and persuasive, uh, I think that's probably the best way to go. But uh, if somebody has a 
a tart uh, uh, allegation and a, a sufficient response. Uh, that tells you a lot about both candidates, too. Once again, David Leroy speaking with Nate Shellman yesterday on his program. Chris, I don't know much. David Leroy is old school, and I like his style. Yeah, I first met him in the summer of 1982, so 40 years ago when he was uh, the Attorney General. It's been a few. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I think he's right on. I have given political advice from time to time to certain individuals. I won't say who. But if I'm a campaign manager or if I'm giving political advice to Governor Brad Little, there's no way I let him step on stage with any of the candidates that are running. None of them have any credibility in the public eye. Not the lieutenant governor, certainly not Ammon Bundy. However, they all are running. Yeah, they're candidates. And legally. So I think I would still do it just because I feel like it's, uh, a candidate's responsibility to the public. Uh, you you very well could be correct. As a campaign manager, I disagree. And I'm not a campaign manager right now, by the way. Full disclosure, I'm not giving anybody political advice right now. I have in the past, and if somebody asked me, I would don't you dare get on the stage with any of those candidates. KBY News Time is 646. We're into sports a little bit late. It's brought to you by my friends at Fat Guys Fresh Deli. Always trust a fat sandwich, and they make a 30-odd sum of those things. Check the menu out online at fatguysfreshdeli.com. 208-855-0424 to order in advance. Best sandwich in Boise, no question about it. All right, in sports, don't know how you feel about the NBA playoffs. It's not the play-in round anymore. These teams are actually playing. Hey, what do you know? All the NBA starters are actually starting in games during the playoffs. That's weird. <laughs> they decide to take a day off. Mm-hmm. What do D- you know? Different than the past month. I had practice and I couldn't. I don't want to play the game tonight. Philadelphia 76ers defeated Toronto, now up 2 nothing in that series after a 112-97 victory. Dallas defeated Utah last night. Their series tied up 1-1. It was 110-104. And Golden State has a 2-0 lead in their series. They defeated Denver by a score of 126-106. to KBOI News Time is 647. 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. News on the way for you, top of the hour. We'll get you your national headlines, local news as well, coming up in just a few. But first, Chris Walton has our damn near impossible question of the day. The number, get ready to call, not now, but uh, actually at about 8.20 this morning, 208-336-3700. You are uh, playing for a $50 gift certificate to Granny C's Bakery. The question, today is the sixth birthday of a little boy in India whose mother, Daljinder Kaur, is the oldest verified person to give birth. Not counting like the Bible, it's since the records have been kept the last couple hundred years. How old was Daljinder when her son was born six years ago? The question is brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with a global network for all your real estate needs. Call 208-888-4128. 
KBY News Time. It's seven o'clock. Shapiro this afternoon at one. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. Seven o six. It's time for the KBOI Medical Moment, brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho, featuring Dr. Jim Polo. Dr. Polo, good morning. Good morning. Doctor, it seems like we constantly hear streams of advice about what we should and shouldn't eat, what's good, what's bad for you. Today, it's all about the avocado. Now, is this good news or bad news for those of us who love avocado and guacamole? Yeah, there's certainly been a lot of talk about avocado, but it's definitely good news. A recent study published by the Journal of the American Heart Association showed that there's a link between increasing your avocado consumption, which lowers... Uh, your risk for having a heart attack or stroke. What is it that's so beneficial about uh, a little green fruit? Yeah, there are actually four reasons why the avocado really helps. The first is avocados are packed with fiber. Now, we talked about fiber last week, but those that fiber kind of improves your GI system. Then there's also a lot of monounsaturated fats. And what this does is it helps to keep that bad cholesterol down, that's LDL, and it helps improve and elevate your good cholesterol, HDL. The third thing, avocados are packed with potassium and magnesium, which just helps muscle function, particularly heart muscle function. And then finally, avocados are rich in phytonutrients, and these act as an anti-inflammatory. So do we need to add this superfood to every meal in the interest of boosting our heart health? Oh, no, 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 no. Not necessary to do it with every meal. In fact, studies show that simply increasing your diet with a modest serving twice a week in your diet, which amounts to about half an avocado, will be all that you need to get about 20% reduction of that risk for cardiac disease. Wow. Although the Treasure Valley isn't home to groves of avocado trees, our our capital city certainly has enough other varieties to be called the city of trees. As it turns out, our plentiful trees provide much more than beauty and shade, right? Yes, that's correct. In fact, university researchers have found that people with fewer trees in their neighborhood had higher levels of health problems and higher expenses for their medical care. And why would that be? Well... It's very complicated, but the mechanisms linking nature to our personal health are very wide. But there's three areas that it seems to be important. First, of course, more trees improves air quality. But second, that green sense of feeling tends to help decrease stress. And the decrease of stress with the open green environment tends to promote more healthy behaviors. So all in all, living in a green green area is much better for your health. Yet another reason we all feel so grateful to live here. Well, that is the KBOI Medical Moment, brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. Dr. Jim Polo, thank you for joining us this morning on KBOI. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 710 now. News Talk KBOI. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today, along with Chris Walton. Hi, Chris. Hello. How you doing, big guy? I am uh, doing very well. I'm, uh, I haven't been sick. I haven't had a day off. So uh, just, you know, business as usual. Gotcha. Mike, Mike Casper under it a little bit yeah. today. Hopefully he'll be back tomorrow feeling better. Uh, earlier this morning here on News Talk KBOI, we heard from 
Kimberly Leonard. She is a policy writer for Insider. And she was discussing what is going to be a very big story today is people that are flying. If you go to the airport, you don't have to wear a mask now. You get on an airplane, depending Hmm. on which airline, because airlines are subject to make their own rules. But most airlines are dropping the mask mandates. Kimberly Leonard spoke about some of this earlier today. Somewhere over America, on board a Delta airliner, the pilot steps into the passenger cabin to make an announcement. The Biden administration announced that the Transportation Security Administration will no longer enforce the federal mandate requiring masks in all U.S. airports and onboard aircraft. How and why did this suddenly happen with the mandate in effect for just another two weeks? Let's find out from Kimberly Leonard, longtime senior health correspondent and now a policy and politics reporter for Insider. What is the first uh, ramification of this? It, today, is are the masks just not necessary in, in, these, uh, in any kind of public transit? Is that immediate? Well, the main question that most people had was for the airlines because, you know, they are such large corporations and there were people obviously on flights when the decision landed and many major airlines have gone ahead and said that they will no longer require masks. They include United, American, Southwest, Delta, Alaska, and I expect that others will follow along as well. As far as uh, like buses and trains, places like that, it will probably be a lot more local what we end up hearing. But as far as a federal mandate goes, uh, it seems that the Biden administration is sort of deciding what to do next, whether they're going to appeal the ruling. So what is the legal chain of command here? If a court says this regulation is uh, not uh, constitutional, I believe the TSA is is the actual mandating body here in the case of airlines. Uh, Does the TSA have to now tell the airlines you can do away with the mask mandate? Well, as far as the TSA goes, you know, when you're going through the airport, um, it's they're the ones that are then, you know, pushing the regulations. And they're also the ones telling the airlines what to do. Now, to be clear, if the airlines were to choose to go ahead and impose their own mandates, they could do that. It's not as though they're not allowed to do it. What the judge ruled yesterday was that the CDC did not have the authority to impose a mask mandate on all these different uh, modes of transportation, so trains, buses. Um, And so the question wasn't even one of constitutionality. It was whether the CDC legally can do something like this. And and they've had this mandate in place for, I want to say, two years at this point. Um, And it was supposed to expire May 3rd, but the Biden administration probably would have extended it um, just because that's, you know, they, they tend to be more cautious probably when it comes to public transit. Um, and so that was sort of where things w- were held until this latest decision. Now, once again, I want to remind you that was Kimberly Leonard. She's a policy writer for Insider. And there's more to this story now, because as of last night, an email sent out by the city of Boise and the airport saying, Passengers at the Boise Airport, city employees at the Boise Airport are no longer mandated to wear masks at the airport. So it affects you directly here in Boise today as well. All right. So... So things are changing. I don't know if it's going to stay that way or not, but I think it will for a while. We mentioned earlier this morning that, you know, Mike Casper and I talk about this 
every now and then, and his prediction for months has been that even when the uh, mask mandates are completely lifted, airlines may uh, keep requiring them. And uh, apparently that was not the case because what was it, you know, two to five minutes after mm-hmm. the announcement came down that airlines started announcing that, hey, it's it's dropped, so we're dropping it. So there was a domino effect. It affects uh, Southwest, Alaska Airlines, Delta, United, a number of them. Some of the biggest carriers that are out there dropping their mask mandates. Uh, and as you may have heard at the front of that, people on the airplane being told, you don't have to wear a mask now. Yeah celebrating so a sitting ovation uh, and i'll only reiterate this once if you still want to wear a mask you're under your absolute rights to do so nobody can tell you you can't wear it but somebody might give you a skunk eye i don't know mm-hmm. time for sports it's brought to you by fat guys fresh deli i have it on good authority stuffed bell pepper is the soup of the day at fat guys fresh deli i would like to try that it's really good have you not had that one before? i have not had that one Chris, you need to make a trip over there today, my man. It's one of the best. 855-0424. Say that again, 208-855-0424. Order in advance if you like, or head over there. They opened their doors at 1030 this morning. And a second location still in the works. Thought it was going to be open today. Looks like it might be pushed back a week. But it'll be open real soon in Boise. So stand by for that. A look at what's going on with Boise State basketball. A Certain Hall of Famer is coming home. Bronco men's basketball coach Leon Rice has tabbed Roberto Bergerson to fill the opening on his staff to replace R.J. Barsh, who left for Florida State. Bergerson has experience coaching at the AAU high school and prep levels, as well as coaching in college last season at Eastern Washington. Rice talked about his duties on the Bronco staff. It starts with player development. That, that's one of the things he's going to be in charge of. And, you know, the recruiting stuff is those, those two are, you know, that's every every assistant, but I want him to be in charge of it. And uh, so that that was a big, big factor. Bergerson was a two-time All-Big West performer as well as Player of the Year in 1999. He was the 52nd pick in the NBA draft by Atlanta in 1999 and played professionally for 11 seasons. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. KBOI News Time is 716. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. 722 with Jeremiah Bates joins us from Tree City Advisors. Good morning, Jeremiah. How are we doing today, my man? Good morning, gentlemen. You know, I'm doing all right. No complaints. It's a Tuesday you know, spring is not fully sprung yet, but hopefully we'll get there in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, life is good. Life good. is good. Right on. Let's talk about airline stocks just a little bit today because, uh, well, airlines are going to get some attention because of the mask mandate stuff that's all been dropping today. But is that doing anything on the market? Well, it's a timely conversation, obviously, because of the uh, the mass mandate thing. And so I wanted to kind of talk about this from uh, what, what how is this affecting the actual stocks? So right now in pre-market trading, uh, it's getting a bit of a tailwind. You have shares of Delta, Southwest, um, JetBlue, up all, and American Airlines up close to that one percent mark thus far. Um, you know, but the, here's the thing: it, I was kind of looking at some numbers around travel for airlines, and even though we're starting to see a bit of a rebound, and even though the mass mandate might be lifted, 
airlines are still facing some travels out or some some challenges outside of just the blanket travel restrictions and the previous fear that people had around a per, their personal health standpoint. So if you look at Sunday, TSA screened more than 2.2 million people. So that's just just over 142,000 shy of 2019 levels. So we're clearly seeing people return to travel, right? But now we're seeing prices increase tremendously for for these airlines. You have the cost of jet fuel that's a third higher than it was at the beginning of 2022. Uh, you have airlines trying to tackle uh, staff shortages. You have business travel still making a slower return. So you have consumers that are paying a 20% increase in the price for domestic flights than what they were in pre-pandemic levels. So people are spending it though. So if you look at back in uh, in March, just straight flight bookings for the month of March, travelers spent almost $9 billion on flight booking. So that is a 28% increase from 2019, despite that volumes were only 12% higher. Meaning the, the number of people flying in the month of March compared to 2019 is not much higher, but the price increase certainly is. So now the question is how long can people, consumers, sustain the price that is now being um, put out on the consumers for paying these higher prices for tickets? So, so airlines are getting are getting a bit of a tailwind, right? Because if you start to see these sanctions drop down, <clears throat> obviously the mass mandates, you start to see these drop. You know, could they get another tailwind with business uh, travelers returning? Certainly. But the question is, if they keep bumping up these prices and oil, if oil prices go up, because that's just been a whipsaw lately, as we've all seen, uh, we, we could see these uh, come, up, come up to some headwinds um, outside of this mask mandate. But right now, in the short term, it's getting a bit of a tailwind today. Mm-hmm. But over the, over the near to midterm, it, it's kind of a, it's a guessing game at this point. Headline this morning says Johnson & Johnson is lowering its outlook for 2022. Why is that? Yeah, well, I mean, you got to look at these uh, COVID, uh, the the COVID vaccine uh, manufacturers. They, I mean, like it or not, they they uh, got a tremendous uh, financial gain from this. But now you have a lesser demand. I guess you have a, a very high surplus of these vaccines. So they basically cut their outlook and on on just the mandates themselves. Just or sorry, the vaccines themselves. Just saying, hey. Um, there's there's a big surplus. We don't know how much revenue we're going to generate from this, so we kind of got to put that in pause. So it kind of changes the the perception of Johnson and Johnson of what their actual revenue be will be moving forward when you exclude that uh, benefit that they got from the from the vaccines. All right, my man. Good to hear from you as always. Give us a report at eight uh, thirty and tell us what the opening market looks like today. Ex- expect some choppiness, gents. Yesterday <laughs> was a bit of a wild one. I expect it to happen throughout the week as earnings continue to come in. But right. certainly appreciate the time. Got you, my man. We'll talk to you in about an hour. KBOI News Time is seven twenty six. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at three. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today. KBOI News Time is seven forty one. Always taking your calls at two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred. Big story today about masks. Masks no longer mandatory on planes, buses, and trains today, or at least many of them. Federal judge in Florida knocking down that rule yesterday, and the Biden administration says the mandates will no longer be enforced. And that created a domino effect, including Boise Airport. That's right. Boise Airport saying city employees and passengers 
inside the Boise Airport, you are now not required to wear a mask. That's brand new as of today. I uh, am, am wondering, because of all these other modes of transportation, uh, the mandate was dropped, but uh, I take Uber and Lyft both every now and then, mm-hmm. and both of them, uh, you have to be wearing a mask to get into somebody's car. Now, they can tell you, uh, go ahead and relax after you get in. You guys can decide you know, whether you both should wear a mask or one of you or neither of you. But the mandate is when you uh, meet up with your driver, you should be wearing a mask and so should the driver. I'm just wondering if they're going to drop that soon, too. That is an excellent question that I don't have an answer to. I don't know if it would be up to the driver or if Uber across the board will say no more mandates. It's a good question. At uh, 743, we're going to hear a little bit here from Kimberly Leonard. She's a policy writer for Insider and has a little more on this. She appeared, appeared, that is, on First Light earlier this morning on News Talk KBOI. Does this extend also to airports? Yes, it does. It does. And again, there are individual airports who might say, "Mm, you have to do it within our facility. Um, And then let me just add, individuals you know, can wear masks if they want to. This isn't a you can't wear masks order. This is an order in which a judge says the CDC can no longer mandate uh, masks, but individuals and and individuals who wear good masks um, can still choose to go ahead and keep them on if they feel safer that way. So usually when we have cases like this, uh, it's not really over until it really is over. And can we assume that the Biden administration or the CDC will now challenge the ruling and uh, file an appeal and then ask for uh, the practice to be continued while the appeal is being heard? You know, it's really hard to say because there are there's more than just the public health aspect at play right now, to be perfectly blunt. There is an aspect that is political here, and there appears to be within the general population a hunger for back to normal. Um, I was looking at Twitter before this interview, and there were a lot of folks who were tweeting out videos of people who had just boarded a flight and learned that they wouldn't have the mask mandate anymore, and they're shedding their masks, and they're cheering. There appears to be some hunger to return to, you know, a maskless flight. Once again, Kimberly Leonard, a policy writer for Insider, speaking there. And we're always taking your calls at 208-336-3700 as mask mandates being dropped all over the place, especially in airports. Mike is in Emmett. Did I get that right? Mike in Emmett. Thanks for calling uh, yes, us this sir. morning on KBOI. How you doing? Doing well, sir. How are you? I'm well. What can we do for you? Um, actually, just uh, calling in, the uh, Uber has dropped the requirement for uh, riders and drivers to wear a mask. They, they, oh, they, darn. they dropped it last night or today? Uh, just got the notification this morning. All right. Are you an so, Uber driver by chance, Mike? I am, sir. Okay. Well, straight from the horse's mouth. That's what we like to hear. I'll, uh, I'll probably see you soon, Mike. <laughs> I'll be around. <laughs> okay. Hey, thanks for the uh, info. Sure appreciate uh-huh. it. All right. Well, that's brand new for us. Again, the Boise Airport, City of Boise, sending out emails last night saying that city employees and passengers no longer required to wear the masks while in the airport. So that's brand new as of today. So if you're flying out today, not saying you can't wear a mask. You're right about the dominoes falling. It it was just one right after the next. It was interesting. I mean, every five minutes last night, another airport was uh, in the news for dropping their mask requirement. Mm -hmm. I, I love that that audio too of the uh, the people on board the plane being told by the captain, "Okay, no more mandates since you've been in the air." So it, a lot it, of fun. it's interesting to see how this is all going to play out, and it's. 
playing out right now on a global stage, or at least a nationwide stage. Mm-hmm. We'll give you the latest on that as it becomes available to us. But we do know that the Boise Airport is not requiring your masks right now. All right, it is time for sports. It's brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli in Meridian. Fat Guys Soup of the Day for today, Stuffed Bell Pepper Soup. They open up at 1030. You can call in your order ahead of time. You could drop by and see them in person off of Overland. And uh, very, very soon, I can't say exactly when, but a brand new Fat Guys location is opening here in Boise right away. So more on that here real soon. Just uh, got word on this. The NFL is investigating the Cleveland Browns for alleged tanking that took place during uh, the 2016-2017 season. Now, that, this is, that makes sense. I was going to say, if you're investigating them for cheating, that just seems ridiculous. <laughs> for tanking. And this is per a report from Sports Illustrated, by the way. Uh, former SEC chair Mary Jo White is leading the investigation, which is expected to conclude soon, according to an NFL spokesperson uh, and the quote from Sports Illustrated. She's also in charge of investigating Brian Flores' claims that he was offered $100,000 per loss from the Miami Dolphins owner, Stephen Ross, during the 2019 season. Once Flores' lawsuit became public, former Browns head coach Hugh Jackson suggested that he was paid by Cleveland to tank games. Browns owner Jimmy Haslin vehemently denies that claim, and and Jackson later kind of walked back his comments back in February uh, in an interview that he gave with CNN, saying, no, I was never offered money like Brian Flores had mentioned, Jackson told Cooper. Uh, This is Anderson Cooper, the person who was giving the interview. Mm. He said, I think it's a totally different situation, but it does have some similarities. Nevertheless, now we're learning that the Cleveland Browns are being investigated or tanking games during the 2016 and 2017 seasons. Like the Browns needed any more problems. KBOI News Time is 748. For your Google Play, simply say, Hey Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. KBOI News Time is 755. Once again, Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today until 10 o'clock. And I uh, don't know if I'll be in here tomorrow for him or not, but uh, I'll be standing by. As He'll undoubtedly be here in some capacity. In some way, shape, or form. Although I wasn't yesterday, so I can't always promise that. I'm True. Here. Uh, my favorite story over the last couple of years. It's my favorite story. Because it, it it's unfolded like a soap opera in every way imaginable. Mm-hmm. Chad and Lori Daybell scheduled to make separate court appearances today at the Fremont County Courthouse in St. Anthony. Now, we haven't seen Lori Vallow Daybell in a courtroom for months. Yeah, she was just recently uh, reinstated by a judge as competent enough to actually appear in court. And why was she found incompetent in the first place? Huh. Well... We don't know all the answers to that because some of those uh, things are not common knowledge. But we do know that she thought that zombies took over people's yeah. bodies. That, that, and that may have been all that was necessary. After they took over their bodies, they did evil things. And that made them do, 
you know, mm-hmm. the things that made them need to die, I guess. You Talk might, more about that. I'm, I'm thinking that she was having you know, a psychological evaluation and actually, well, told the doctor that. Well, it could have been the case. In any case, we'll, we'll talk more about that, uh, but they will be in court later today. KBOI News Time is 7.56. A part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 8.07 on Tuesday morning. Hi there, I'm Rick Worthington, filling in for Mike Casper today, who we hope will be back tomorrow and feeling well. But he's mm-hmm. not feeling well today. But you don't need any more information on what now, this is about. <laughs> this is one of those that you could probably do without the details. I know you guys discussed the debates. Uh, you and Nate discussed it a little bit yesterday. but Or the lack of debates. So there, there are three debates, really, that people were... I don't want to say looking forward to because ratings over the previous years don't indicate that anybody really cared too much about these things. But overall, people want to see debates happen. They just don't want to watch them when they happen. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But they would like to read the story the next day. They would like to know how it went. uh, I think there are three debates that will not happen. One makes perfect sense. Congressman Mike Simpson, the first to refuse to debate his opponent ahead of the Republican primary. His opponent is an Idaho Falls attorney that you probably have never heard of. Gentleman's name, though, is Brian Smith. And they were going to debate on Idaho public television. And Congressman Mike Simpson, here's something that you you need to understand about politics. Not everybody is an educated voter, okay? Mm -hmm. Most people look at the ballot. Who's the name on the ballot that I recognize? You're probably going to recognize the incumbent, Mike Simpson. And just on name equity, he's way ahead. Doesn't need to go and debate his opponent. Hasn't he won 11 elections in a row? Yeah, a bunch. So it makes... Perfect sense for him to say, I don't really need to get on the debate stage. Although, as I said, I feel like they have a responsibility to participate. That makes perfect sense, and I totally respect that. And as a voter, I would like to see them both on stage. I really would. I think they they kind of owe the showcase that happens every election. They kind of owe that to the voters, I think, even though not that many voters actually take advantage of it. The gubernatorial debate... If you're Janice McGeehan, if you're any of the other six or seven candidates, whatever it is, you absolutely want to get on stage with the governor because it gives you credibility. It makes you relevant. If I'm Brad Little, I would not want to step on the stage with any of them because none of them have credibility. By stepping on the stage with them, you're granting them something that they don't already have. And that includes the lieutenant governor, who might have some credibility if she didn't make so many headlines for the wrong reasons. Just today. Yeah, you guys can keep the rest of my salary for the year so I can pay back all this money that I owe, and it probably still doesn't come out right. I 
feel like if if Governor Little and she are completely at odds with each other, that uh, that would be a fairly easy debate. I would like to see that debate. I really would. But if I'm advising Governor Little, and I'm not, I would tell him, don't get on stage with her. But see, each one of them thinks the other one has done ridiculous or stupid things. Here's and the one that I would kind of like to hear them confront each other. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. I was about to say the the one that I was surprised in was Idaho State Representative Priscilla Giddings, who was vying to be the next lieutenant governor. She dropped out of the debate with Scott Bedke. I was really looking forward to that debate as a political junkie. Yeah. But she can't get on stage and do that debate. She can't do that debate. My bed key, I'm just sitting back and waiting for the question to come, and it's probably the first one out of the gate for her. Why did you out a 19-year-old intern who made charges of rape against Aaron Von Ellinger? Why did you out her? Assuming that. She gives the same answer she has been. She'll say, well... Well, it's a garbage answer. I, I didn't really do it. Somebody else did. That's not true, though. You and I both know she did put that information out, and she has said that before. Look, the question was coming, and she doesn't want to have to answer that because the debate gets turned on its head. Now it's not about the issues. Now it's about her doing these other things. So I was surprised to see her back off. By the way, she has done a really good job during this campaign. Got to give her some credit. She has raised a bunch of money. Even with Scott Bedke, I believe. They were like mm-hmm. neck and neck as of last month anyway. Campaign cash on hand, that's an important thing. Yeah. So she had done really, really well. Will her name equity equal what Scott Bedke's is on the ballot? Well, it, it won't be for lack of trying. Well, She has gotten herself in the news, but again, like Lieutenant Governor, we have currently, sometimes for the wrong reason. So there will be three debates that will not happen. We can't do anything about that. What debates are still out there that you want to see? I'm not sure ahead of the primary that there's any one of them that you really care all that much about. Oh, just one by one, they seem to be canceling all of them. So the question is whether ducking debates will have an impact on the races. My guess is it won't have too much of an impact. But if you're going to vote against people that have backed away, well, then I guess it would. I guess it absolutely would. As a voter, you can make that determination, you know? Yeah. All right. Today, by the way, is Tuesday. That means Bronco Tuesday coming up. Who are you guys going to be talking with here in a little while? Chris? Uh, That would be the softball team. Excellent. From Boise State University. I'm going to let you guys talk about that. I will be at the softball games this weekend. Mm-hmm. You could say hi to the coach for me. Okay. I am, I am the public address announcer for mm-hmm. Boise State softball. And I do a marginal job at best. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it, though. So you're saying if you... Uh, yeah, if you hear somebody if, if over you the come, loudspeaker, it's probably going to be me. If you come to the game, bring your iPods? That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> All right. News on the way at the bottom of the hour as well. And uh, we've got a damn near impossible question coming up. So stand by. KBOI News Time is 814.
the night at 10. It's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 821 now on News Talk KBOI and the damn near impossible question of the day. We have a $50 gift certificate up for grabs from Granny C's, and Chris has our question. Go for it, buddy. It's brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with a global network. For all your real estate needs, call 208-888-4128. The question today is the sixth birthday of a little boy in India whose mother, her name is Daljinder Kaur, is the oldest verified person to give birth. And I say verified because, well, the Bible, you know, says yeah, other, it, otherwise. But I'm talking about the, mo- in the modern, the modern era, the last yeah. couple hundred years. How old was Dal Jinder when her son was born six years ago. All right, we go to the phones. John is first up today for today's damn near impossible question. Hi, John. How are you, buddy? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. We appreciate you calling in. Hope you have the correct answer. I'll give you an attaboy if you get it. Go for it. What do you think? Uh, I think it's 72. 72 years old. And you are correct. It is 72. You're a winner. Wow, that is disgusting. Now, when, when I was a kid, uh, when I was in grade school, we used to get this, this is like 1972, 73. <laughs> we used to get the uh, Guinness Book of World Records every year. Yeah. And we get, you know, as a mass market paperback, and somebody would bring it to school, and we'd all look at the pictures and go, wow, look, that guy weighs 1,100 pounds, you know, stuff like that. And at that time, there was a picture of the oldest woman to give birth, and it was 57 at that time. Just it's, 57. It's, it's, wow. gone up, it's gone up 15 years. Uh, 72, it just seems so crazy to me in the sense that, I mean, I know how I don't know personally, but I have a pretty good idea how difficult childbirth is to begin with. And I can't imagine a 72 year old woman having the physical stamina to be able to deliver a child. You know, they're always telling, you know, older parents, uh, you know, how old they're going to be at their high school, their kid's high school graduation. Like, you know, you'll be 67 at your kid's high school graduation. Uh, this one, if she lives, will be 90 at her child's graduation. Wow. Somewhere in the Treasure Valley, there is a 72 or older woman who's out there cussing me right now saying, screw you, Worthington Ike. We could do that. No problem. Well, I'm just saying that is surprising to me that mm-hmm. that age is so high. In any case, John, congratulations. Uh, we are going to hook you up with today's $50 gift certificate to Granny C's. I encourage you to check out the pastries. They are fantastic, and they do know me by name over there, so <laughs> keep that in mind. All right, news on the way here for you at the bottom of the hour. KBY News Time is 824. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler, on 670 KBOI. Well, as we mentioned, Mike Casper is... Not available this morning, but Bob Beeler is uh, here with us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. And today we're going to talk softball, and Boise State softball team will have a big weekend series Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon against San Jose State. And we're going to visit with Justin Schultz, who is their first-year head coach, and Kelsey Hall, one of the uh, student-athletes a little later on in the show. Justin, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, Bob, thanks for having me. Well, why don't we start? It seems like all of these Mountain West series are tight. I know I watched one of your games online last weekend where you guys went 13 innings with San Diego State. Are we expecting something similar with the Spartans? 
Yeah, I mean, every every time you come into a Mountain West series, it's going to be the teams know each other, so you always anticipate games being um, one run one way or the other, and you got you got to play good softball. I think in San Diego, our team played really, really good softball, and unfortunately, in two of the three games, San Diego State just made one more play than we did. Now, as we look at the Spartans and we look at the Broncos, give us a scouting report. What are going to be the strengths? I'm going to be out there on Saturday, so what uh, What do I want to look for? What, what do you guys do well, and what do they do well? Yeah, obviously, I think we've done, we've done um, well in all three phases of the game. Our defense, I think, right now is ranked second in the country, um, so we're protecting the ball, which is always really, really important. Um, our pitchers have got back on track at San Diego. I thought they threw really, really well. Um, and then our bats, I think we need to just get more depth in our um, in our offense. Again, we have the depth. It's just right now we're relying on Kelsey Lawler and Kelsey Hall have been a big part of it. Um, and we just need to get back to passing the bat and, and using all nine of our hitters in our order. Um, and I think we'll be in a really, really good spot. Is, is uh, the, on it, the flip, Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say on the flip side, San Jose State can really pitch it. Um, I think they've got uh, their aces uh, got just over a two ERA. Um, and she's really held teams in check. They just played uh, UNLV last weekend, and she was able to steal one of the games from them. So when she's on, she's uh, as competitive as anybody in the country. How good is is the Mountain West this year in softball compared to uh, other conferences? Yeah, right now we're sitting, I think, uh, eighth in the country RPI-wise for conferences. Um, and I think a lot of it is just some of our teams got off to a, a slow start. Um, which has hurt us a little bit. I think we're we're closer to probably that that sixth spot behind those power fives. Um, but yeah, our conference top to bottom is very very good, and anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And I think early in conference, you've kind of seen that from some of the teams taking games uh, here and there from each other. We're visiting with Justin Schultz. He is the head softball coach at Boise State. Justin, right now you're sitting right around 50. I think 53. I saw in the latest ranking in the computer poll. What's it going to take from here? You've got what? three four weekend series left before we get to the the ncaa tournament uh, no conference tournament so you have to build your case uh, you know as far as an overall you know you can't get in with a with a conference tournament win so what's it going to take yeah i think it's just it's going to take uh, us playing really good softball at the end of the year we got 12 12 more games um, and you don't like to put numbers on it but we we need to win the majority of those games to give ourselves a shot um, i think right, we're right on the bubble 50 usually they start looking at teams um, start cutting it off around probably like 55-ish in the RPI. And then it's really just resume. And we've got some good wins against Stanford and Iowa State. Played Arizona really, really tight. So I think our resume shows that we can be a, a, a regional team, but it's just going to come down to can we play strong these last 12 games of the year. You are ranked second in the nation in fielding, which is pretty amazing. I congratulate you on that. How, how does one put together a team of fielders that are that good? Uh, honestly, we just focus on the little things every day at practice. It, it seems repetitive and basic, but uh, we don't talk a lot about making the, the amazing play. It's just can we protect the ball? Can we be clean when it's hit our way? And I think our, our athletes have done a very, very good job of that. Um, we need to come up with more 50-50 balls, which I call them, um, and those are those questionable ones. Um, we had a couple big ones in the San Diego, San Diego State Series that didn't go our way, and that, that ended up being the difference maker. Um, in those two two ball games on Friday and Saturday that we lost by one run, so got to got to make those fifty fifty plays to be exactly where we want to be on defense. Though, Justin, with the series with Idaho State canceled because of rain a couple weeks ago, you guys haven't had a home game since April third, and I'm looking at the numbers. You guys have had six home games this year, 
32 of your games <laughs> yeah. have been on the road. That's got to be tough. Yeah, it's it's not ideal, but you know what? Our athletes have done a great job embracing it. Um, it's actually a, a little interesting because I feel like we feel are, are a little bit more out of place at home. We're so used to being on the road, so we're still trying to get our groove and figure out what is our routine when we're at home. Um, so I'm excited to get home this weekend. The weather looks like it's shaping up to be better than we originally thought. Um, and then we're going to have a, a bark in the park this weekend as well, which I know is always a fan favorite. So I'm hoping we get that same energy we had at the UNLV series um, for this weekend. Well, bark in the park, I know, is the Sunday game that's at noon on Sunday. And I know some paperwork has to be filled out. So people probably would need to go online to find out exactly uh, what they need to do to be able to bring their, their dogs. And we've done that before as well. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, so they just go online and there's a waiver that they have to sign just confirming that their dog is a good dog and um, that they've got the right vaccination um, and all that. So it should be fun, though. A lot of people have been reaching out and it sounds like, uh, I mean, we're going to have a ton of dogs. sounds like we're going to have a ton of people. And it's always fun when you can fill the stadium because it's a beautiful place um, and it's it's even more fun when those dogs are there. I think it just brings better energy. How is the overall health of the team at this point in the season? Uh, I mean, for being 40 games in, uh, we're I think we're in a really good spot. Um, obviously, we got the nicks and bruises, but um, we're all hanging in there, and we're excited to compete this weekend. We're going to get to meet uh, Kelsey Hall coming up. She's one of your outfielders. She also is the designated player at times. Uh, bats lead off, I believe, in the order. So tell us a little bit about mm-hmm. her. You 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 had a chance to maybe coach her that you didn't get to do when you left Fresno State, <laughs> yep. and now you're getting to coach her now. Yeah, we've had an interesting um, relationship. I recruited her to Fresno. I left before she got there, and then now I'm coaching her here at Boise State. Um, and she's one of those kids. She's just a she's just a firecracker. She's at the top of the order. She's a really, really strong hitter, and she's shown that she can start the game off with a leadoff home run for us multiple times this year. Um, and then just from an athletic standpoint, she's a great athlete. You've seen her more in the outfield the last couple weeks. Um, she she had an ACL tear last year, so we kind of eased her into this season, um, and now she's she's at full strength and going. And she, we're re- we're really glad what she's doing with her opportunity. She's really ran with them, and it's been fun to watch. So what does it do? You mentioned she's had multiple leadoff home runs for the game. What does that do for a team when all of a sudden, bang, maybe the first pitch or the first couple pitches of the game, you're ahead one and nothing? Oh, it's great. Everyone can take a deep breath, and it allows I think her teammates to settle in. Um, it's always nice when we're at home for our pitchers to come out and start start strong, and then we come in and put a run up on the board. It's always nice for that because it allows everyone to take that deep breath, and it gives confidence to everybody else in the lineup too. Okay, she's she's seeing the ball well, so that means I can see the ball well as, um, also. Well, Coach uh, Schultz, we wish you luck this weekend, and we want to thank you for joining us this morning on KBOI. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I always love having you guys having me on. Coming up, we'll have uh, – one of the softball players that we just talked about, Kelsey Hall, after this. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on 670 KBOI. We're back on Bronco Tuesday talking softball with Bob Beeler. And our guest is uh, outfielder Kelsey Hall, bats at the top of the order, having a tremendous season, hitting 398, 481 on base percentage, doing exactly what you want to do at the top of the order. So, Kelsey, we'll start. 400, is that a possibility? <laughs> Hello? Is 400 a possibility? Shoot, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> so what's uh, it like What's it like hitting at the top of the order, Kelsey? Um, you know, you like you're going to play San Jose State this weekend. 
you're in the on-deck circle getting ready to bat for the first time against a pitcher that you haven't faced before. What are you looking for, and how do you approach it? You know, growing up in travel ball and all those things, I always found myself most successful in the leadoff spot, which is actually kind of not something that you hear really often, but every time I go in there, you know, our coaches do an amazing job of preparing us, so it doesn't feel like I have no clue what this pitcher is going to do going into it. We prepare a lot as we have so many respectable pitchers in our conference, and so I go in there and I just try to not make it bigger than it is and just try to get deep into counts and try to get as much information as possible for the girls behind me. We usually we usually ask players, how did you happen to come to Boise State? But your story seems a, a little more obvious. You you followed uh, the, co- the coach, obviously. Why, why did you? Yeah, it is kind of written on the wall, right, for me. But, you know, obviously I have so much respect for Coach Schultz as a person and a coach. Um, he recruited me when I was 16 around then to Fresno State, and I just love every mentality and everything that he does when it comes to hitting. As you can tell, I like hitting. Hitting's, of course, I love defense, but that is something that's really important to me when it comes to softball. And so once I went into the portal and Coach Schultz is, was his first year at Boise State, I was like, hey, maybe everything happens for a reason. And I came here to Boise, and even besides him, I just fell in love with Boise, the city, and Coach France Strube is an amazing outfield coach. You know, I've learned so much from her, and then Coach Allie Waljasper, who wouldn't want, when you see a four-time All-American, right, on your coaching staff, who wouldn't get their eyes all wide from that, you know, so this coaching staff has just been amazing and definitely been the best decision I've made for myself. Well, Kelsey, Coach talked about uh, the fact that uh, you were injured last year, didn't play, and then, of course, 2020 was a season that was cut short. So how does this season feel different than your first two seasons in college? Well, for starters, I actually got to play some conference games, right? (laughs) Because we were actually, funny story, we were on our way to Boise for our first conference series, and we got stuck in the airport when everything happened with COVID. And then I tore my ACL immediately after opening weekend, the practice after. So, you know, it's just been fun. That's the best way I can describe it is the fact that I actually get to play and do what I love and what I've committed myself to since such a young age. And so it's just like I feel not, I guess, free because I get to finally do the fun part of it all, right? I guess that's. I'm just happy to be here, (laughs) honestly. You've got an interesting situation in that uh, academically you're – uh, a couple of years more advanced than you are in terms of uh, play eligibility. Uh, are you going to stick around long enough to get a master's or even a PhD? <laughs> Hopefully I can uh, um, play all my years to where I'm not eligible for a PhD. <laughs> but um, as of now, yes, I'm graduating on time and then I can get a master's because I'm majoring in psychology. So that would help me immensely in my field of a career choice to get a master's that's the plan it's all goes well so what is what is the plan after softball you it sounds like you're focused you've got you've got a plan you've got an idea so what do you want to do with your psychology degree so as of now i want to go into potentially counseling and therapy whether it's like couples therapy family therapy anything like that and or something else i've really looked into is collegiate athletes 
um, helping with that because, like you said, I've had a very interesting story to get here, and I think what better way to help people when you've been through it yourself, right? So that's something that I would love to do eventually, potentially, is like sports psychology as well. Do, do you know other players that have been helped by uh, sports psychologists? Oh, it's something that I love about Boise State is the fact that they are so big on resources with mental health. We have amazing counselors on staff here that are so awesome to talk to. There's many, many athletes that just not even, and it doesn't even have to be the biggest thing. It's just, we really here at Boise State encouraged, like you're not alone. And so, yeah, I definitely do know people that go use those resources. We're visiting with Kelsey Hall, one of the outfielders on this Boise State softball team. They'll be home this weekend, 4 o'clock Friday and Saturday, noon on Sunday. And, Kelsey, I was talking with Coach about so many road games this year. How difficult has it been playing so many games either at neutral sites to start the year or road games on the conference season so far? You know, honestly, it's definitely newer to me coming from a school that was in sunny California where we were able to play a lot of home series. It definitely was a change of pace. We were on the road for, heck, six weeks before we got um, to the opportunity to play at Donna Larson. But, honestly, this team handles anything with resiliency. You know, it didn't matter if we play at home or playing in Louisiana and Texas. This team wants to show up every single day. And it's, it's honestly awesome. I like the opportunity to see new places, new people. And it's kind of interesting. You know, you get a different fan base everywhere you go, right? But... I think this team handles it awesome, and we take everything and we run with the opportunity. Now, baseball, we know that a lot of parks look different, certainly in the major leagues. What about softball? Are they pretty standard, or when you go to these various places, do they play differently? Do they look different? Oh, definitely. Every field is different. You're not going to get the same like aspects of anything necessarily. But, I mean, for the most part, in reality, all the bases are the same, right? Same distance. The pitching mound's just as far, right? So we definitely, like I was talking about earlier with preparation with pitchers, we definitely prepare when it comes to conference especially. We prepare for the field as outfielders. We check the fence to see what will happen if a ball gets off, check the dirt, we check the grass, and, like, we just go into every game confident because we know we've prepared for every single aspect of the game. Kelsey Hall, we wish you uh, luck this weekend and uh, luck in the rest of your career here at Boise State. We thank you for joining us on KBOI. Thank you so much for having me. We hope to see everyone at Donna Larson this weekend. KBY News time is 8.53. We'll be right back. Now back to Bronco Tuesday on 670 KBOI. Bronco Tuesday. I'm Chris Walton with Bob Beatler. Bob, uh, what does the rest of the week hold? Well, again, we mentioned the three softball games coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday at 4 and then Sunday at noon against San Jose State. The women's golf team right now is down at Rancho Mirage, California. Nice spot to be this time of year. Mm, yeah. They're uh, playing uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow for the Mountain West Championship. We've got the two tennis teams as well as the men's golf team coming up shortly in uh, Mountain West Conference Championship action. So spring season is kind of winding down a little bit. We've got about a month to go in softball, and some of the other sports are finishing pretty quickly as far as the end of the conference season, and they'll be on to the NCAA tournaments uh, pretty quickly. We've uh, talked about 
golf before our, our envy <laughs> because you know it'll be like 18 degrees outside in Boise and you'll hear that the golf team is spending the weekend or the week in yeah. Hawaii or someplace yeah. and and then it was a softball team alluded to early in the season they go to a lot of tournaments that you know are held at neutral sites and you know they're at places like you know Las Vegas and Palm Springs so uh, <laughs> when you participate in spring sports they do pick some good spots to play I must admit that be nice nice teams to travel with it's good they have those tournaments in Las Vegas because, you know, what else is there to do there? <laughs> a lot of those places, they've got a lot of, you know, different fields and different, you know, places to, to compete. I'm just picking that as a place that I know a lot of teams, you know, it's, it's easy right. for people to get to and play. But uh, uh, been a good season for, for Boise State teams, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll make it even better this spring when we get some people to NCAA tournament action. And they do have a tough schedule still remaining. We're speaking of softball? Yeah. Yeah, they do have a tough schedule remaining, and as Coach said, they're sitting kind of around 50 right now. And, you know, left, they've got San Jose State uh, this season. Uh, they're 20-20. and 20, They're about 500. Uh, looking at the teams on the schedule, I mean, San Diego State and UNLV are two of the better teams in the conference. They've finished playing with them. Utah State right now is sitting in second. They'll have three games coming up with them soon. Uh, Colorado State's left on the schedule, so I, th- I think there's a chance, you know, to get quite a few wins, and right. hopefully it'll start this weekend with San Jose State. Bob, thanks for joining us, and Thank you, Chris, uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. Uh, we'll be back with uh, your calls coming up after the top of the hour. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 906, good morning. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today on News Talk KBOI. Chris Walton hanging out over here with us. Nathaniel's in here hanging out with us. Not doing very much, but... You know, he's doing a good job of what he does. Got, uh, got a few instant messages. How about it? That have been coming in. Uh, this this uh, about something we talked more about yesterday. Uh, Laura says, I've always voted for Brad Little, but I heard an interview with Nate and Steve Bradshaw, a gubernatorial candidate. He made some great points that I would love to hear debated with Governor Little. And see, there's somebody who pays attention and actually has heard one of the other candidates and wants to know, hey, how, how do they shape up against the current uh, administration. There are some people that are rightfully upset that Governor Brad Little has decided not to participate in any of the gubernatorial debates. And I believe there's only one that I'm aware of that was going to be on uh, Idaho public television. But uh, the governor has decided it's not for him. There are two others that we know about. The race for lieutenant governor, Representative Priscilla Giddings, backing away from the debate against Scott Bedke and uh, Congressman Mike Simpson backing away from from his as well. I I told you a few hours ago, I told you my philosophy on this, uh, that uh, I would advise all the candidates to debate, not to sit it out. And the reason the governor gave, uh, he said, you know, my my record uh, is not debatable and it speaks for itself, which is terrific. But most of the time uh, when there's a debate, I'm looking to find out what the candidate has planned for the future or what they think our future has in store, you know, especially if they get elected. What are they going to try to do uh, as opposed to what they've been doing? You know, I, I just feel like we're not looking at the past here. We would, we would want to talk about the future. So I congratulate you on your record. 
but that's not my concern right now. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you'd never brought anything negative to a primary debate. It's, yeah, that's true. It, that's it's what, always been the rule David, that um, if you're a Republican, you don't rip on other Republicans. Yeah, we Same heard, with Democrats. We heard David Leroy say that uh, earlier. When he was Actually, talking we have some of that interview. We'll play that here in just a second for you. But I, I think it's it's worth noting here to you, by the way, I completely agree with all three of these candidates pulling out oh, I know. of their debates. Governor Brad Little has, I don't know, three to one, four to one superiority in votes right now in cash campaign donations given. There's no reason for him to give any credibility to Janice McGeehan or any of these other guys that are participating. All you do is give them credibility by stepping on the stage with them. And for me, if I'm giving political advice, and I do from time to time, not that anybody pays attention to it, mind you, but... I'm just saying, you don't gain votes. You already are winning this election. This campaign is in the bag, Brad Little. You don't need to step out there. Now, I'm with you, though. I would love to see the debate take place for entertainment value and for hearing them talk about the issues. Absolutely. But if I'm Brad Little, I don't step on the stage with Janice McKeon. Yeah, I don't feel like necessarily that that it's entirely about winning. Obviously, you want to be the one considered the winner of a debate, but a debate is simply about getting all the ideas out there and letting people know that, hey, I have you know better thought-out uh, ideas than anybody else. Uh, and I don't want to just take that for granted. Sure. Uh, well, I, I understand that. I, again, Priscilla Giddings backing away from her debate probably is the wise thing for her to do. Because anybody that's moderating a debate between Bedke and Giddings has to ask Giddings about outing a 19-year-old intern on all these rape charges that are against uh, former representative Aaron Von Ellinger. Mm. You got to ask about that. I kind of I feel like I know the answer to that. She would say that she didn't actually do that; uh, that somebody else had already outed them. And then her opponents would probably say, no, that was the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there we go. But she has to ask, and or whoever is the moderator has to ask the question. You can't have a debate without asking relevant questions. Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing that's relevant in getting his campaigns. You got to talk about this. You got to address it. Now, and if you want to be lieutenant governor, you have to answer that question. I don't mind the town hall format. Some of them, some of them have been talking about doing that. Sure. And I don't mind that either, because even in the town hall format, you are at, you are answering actual you know questions from people, providing you know they're not planted there by you. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk about it, we'll open up the phone line for you two zero eight three three six thirty seven hundred pound six seventy on your Verizon wireless or one eight hundred five two nine KBOI. Uh, we do have a, a little bit of audio that I want to play here for you. It was. Yesterday, during Nate Shellman's program, a man that we all have a, a lot of respect for, David Leroy came in to speak about it. Do you enjoy the debates, or are you just, oh, this is going to be terrible? Well, I kind of do, but remember, my uh, debate history goes back to running for attorney general, lieutenant governor, and then I uh, was, was either the uh, winner or the victim of a debate with Cecil Andrus. He, as uh, the former governor, former secretary of interior, would only agree to one statewide debate with me as the challenger, uh, the Republican challenger in 1986. But I'm a strong believer in debates, and uh, though it may be like herding cats, 
Uh, we ask our voters to be informed, and one of the best ways to inform them is to see the candidates side by side in the same arena with uh, the same question. I said earlier that if, and, and I, I I use the word consequence or ramification loosely, I, I don't think there should be a, 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 an outright penalty. However, if there is no change i uh, i fear this will be more uh, we'll see more events like this we'll see more behavior like this from incumbents who are who are up for re-election and decide nope my record is non-debatable well i think that's probably true um, unfortunately what we've seen this season in idaho particularly at the top of the ticket uh, the highest up races is debates are being regarded as a tactic rather than a commitment. And that's a terrible thing. It it is sadly, and I say that uh, lovingly for my friends who are bowing out, but uh, we simply have got to be committed to the system. And if that's free and open elections, it ought to be running all the way back to my buddy Lincoln uh, and the Lincoln-Douglas debates. It ought to be a commitment to public expression and dialogue and question and answer and and even uh, mixing it up uh, one-on-one uh, across uh, 15 feet of uh, space from your opponent. That's an important insight for the voters. And to give those up, especially at the top of the ticket in seriously contested races, vigorously contested races, or even in races that are not contested at all. If we cannot see our candidates in debate, uh, the public is a big loser. And so I think are the elected officials. Once again, David Leroy speaking with Nate Shellman yesterday on his program. And, and he, he makes some he, good points, Chris. Yeah, he he kind of made a similar point, I think, to what I was trying to say, that it, this is this is very very conventional. It, it's been uh, something that we just do at uh, election time. We have debates, and basically that's when people can shine. They can do well. You know, somebody that you didn't know about, if, if they have a great debating style or they have great ideas or a terrific platform that's where you find out about it but not anymore i guess well i hear what he's saying i don't necessarily agree if i'm a candidate and i feel like i've got it locked up that i have to get on stage but i'd love to hear what you guys have to say about it 208-336-3700 is the number to call 1-800-529-KBOI that's 1-800-529-5264 or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. If you're a candidate for a major office, should you be required to get on stage and debate your opponent? We'll take your calls coming up. KBOI News Time 915. Download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's 918, Tuesday morning. Glad you're with us on News Talk KBOI. Uh, Subject at hand is in regards to the debates ahead of next month's primary. Several candidates have decided they don't want to participate. And it does include Idaho's Governor Brad Little. Doesn't want to get on stage with Janice McGeehan. I really don't blame him has everything, in my opinion, to do with credibility. You lend credibility by taking the stage with people that don't have it. Let's check in with Mike in Boise. Mike, thanks for calling us this morning on KBOI. How are you? 
Good, good. Hey, you know, the thing is, through history, debates have changed. And uh, back in the days uh, when there wasn't political consultants, uh, PAC money, uh, this manager that's paid 100000 a year, um, it's all changed. And if you look at the history of one debate that happened in Idaho, was the Frank Church and Steve Sims debate for United States Senator. 1980, yeah. Ooh, you're going back. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that debate made the difference, and Frank Church lost. Was it um, close it was, ahead uh, it of that, though? Hit. Was it was it a close it was, it election? Was, it, it was close. It was close. Uh, but again, it tilted it. And uh, a political consultant would tell Governor Little, no, don't debate. You're ahead. You get out there, too big a risk, you'd say something mm-hmm. stupid. You know, because we're all human. Sometimes we get up and say something stupid. Yeah. But it's, it's how it's ran. I don't pay a lot. Of, and look at the out-of-state money that's coming in for candidates uh, this year, the attorney general race. Uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. I'd, I'd rather forego debate and look at where all the money is coming from for each candidate. And unfortunately, we're in a time that everybody is bought and paid for by some special interest one way or the other. So what I do is I go down and look and say, okay, this is pretty good, but who's uh, who's putting in the money? And that will really tell you the true answer. Could. Could. See, Ed, the difference I mean, is here, the gubernatorial election doesn't look like it's going to be that close. I think that's the biggest difference between the debate that you're comparing to and and this, you know, debate that's not going to happen. This one doesn't look like it's a very close race. Yeah. And, and again, uh, and that's why a political consultant would say, don't debate. Don't take a chance. You're, you're ahead. You've, you're winning. Uh, if it was really, really close, it'd be a different answer. And, uh, you know, one of the most well-known political consultants who unfortunately passed away uh, six months ago, Sal Fileski, um, I mean, he was he was the king of political consultants. He could read the tea leaves before the tea leaves were even on the tree to <laughs> tell a candidate, this is what this is what you need to do. And this is what you need to say. And don't say anything stupid. Yeah, I love uh, I love and, Sal. Uh, uh, Sal used to. Uh, he used to email me every single day. And Did he really? Tell him really interesting things. He'd email Paul Jay a lot, too. No kidding. Yep. And, and uh, unfortunately, we, we lost Sal back in October. But he, he was a political uh, – it, it's amazing what he could say, well, this is what's going to happen. And three months down the road, hey. Guess sure what? enough. That's what happened. I'll be darned. But anyway, that's my thing on debates. It's it's changed through history. I think Dave Leroy uh, hit the nail on the head. I'd be against passing a law saying you have to debate. I mean, we got too many laws that don't make any sense anyway now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, But again, I always say follow the money. Look at every candidate. Unfortunately, so many candidates, local government, uh, bought and paid for by developers or yeah. different things like that. And that's that's how I look at it. I'm, I'm with you on, on the, the fact that I don't think it should be a law that you have to debate. It should still be your choice. However, I do uh, hold it against people who won't debate. Yeah, and I, I think that's a legitimate, uh, a legitimate argument, is why won't you debate? 
And again, I flip that quarter to the other side, the paid political consultants, that says, no, you too big a risk of saying something stupid. Yeah, well, well, there you go. I, I, I say it's not about Governor Little or any other candidate saying anything dumb as much as it is just about credibility. You know, there, there's a lot to say about name equity. Governor Brad Little has plenty of name equity. Mike Simpson has plenty of name equity. I think the person that was really the most concerned about saying something dumb or at least having the question brought up has to be Priscilla Giddings. If you're going to pull out, oh, a de- out of a debate, that's the one that I look to and say, well, maybe she didn't want to debate, maybe she didn't have the right answers, or maybe she didn't want to have to answer tough questions that you know usually come up by reporters. That's what we do, you know? Anyway, Mike, thank you very uh, much for the call. Well, and it's it's in, yeah, appreciate the call, Mike. It, it's entirely possible that in this day and age, as he said, things change over time, mm-hmm. and maybe debates are passe. You know, maybe you can find out everything you need to know about somebody from from interviews, town halls, and their own website. Now that is possible. Dean in Eagle, thanks for calling us this morning on KBOI, Dean. Uh, hey, I uh, think it's a travesty that the governor is not willing to get up there. The gentleman, I wouldn't have called, but the gentleman had just mentioned the fact that developers are buying this election. Well, our legislator and our governor signed a bill last year to give developers a tax break. Nobody will talk about it. And with you guys giving him his praises, condemning Givings for backing out, praising him for backing out, why should he even speak? You guys got his back. Well, I think he speaks all the time. I mean, it's not like... Well, he doesn't He doesn't answer questions. He go, takes you on a merry-go-round. That's and not true at all. He was on this radio station and did answer questions. Live questions from Nobody. people who wanted to call in. Uh, it's okay. true, though. I mean, you didn't hear it, but it is true. We didn't plant the questions. It did happen. I'm sure you're correct. Nobody's asking about the developers getting a tax break. And before the elderly get a break, you know, it makes no sense to me. And, uh, it, it, you know, it doesn't, yeah, I understand. He's, he's got nothing to lose by not having a debate um, because, you know, most of the people are going to vote for him going to vote for him. Now, Dean, but, correct uh, me if I'm wrong, though. Isn't it the legislature that provides tax breaks? Isn't it the legislature, well, the legislature that does that? It. He signed it. Okay. So it's, but it, it shouldn't fall on anybody else. It should just fall on him. No, no. I'm not being Betke, contradictive. I'm Moyer, asking. Oh, Betke, Moyer himself, they're the ones who set it up, and the rest, well, a, a lot of them voted for it. And it's just one of them deals that should have never happened, and nobody will speak about it, which is fine. But uh, I can't complain about his job that he's doing overall. I just think that he should have to stand up there and take questions and be there. Got it. And I just... Anyway, yeah, I, I agree. I think he should feel a responsibility yeah. to do that. Dean, thanks very much for the call, buddy. I appreciate it. And, you know, maybe that's the kind of thing that we should get to the bottom of. But. TJ wrote in and said, so let me get this correct. A guy got his feelings hurt due to no debate and now has chosen to vote for a crazy person to be your next governor? Wow. <laughs> and I, I can think of all sorts of uh, scenarios where or all sorts of combinations of, of people where that, that could possibly be seen that way. I've gotten a few emails like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, we have news coming up here at the bottom of the hour for you. There's something else that's happening uh, this hour that you should know is happening. 
Lori Vallow Daybell will make her first appearance in a courtroom in uh, Fremont County, anyway, in a long time. She has been in the, uh, oh, it's the care of the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. Re- most recently, her competency has been in question. And now that she's been deemed competent, she will be in front of a judge. And that's happening, as I understand it, sometime this hour. So we'll try and get an update for you on that as well. News at the bottom of the hour first. KBOI News Time is 927. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. Nine thirty-five on News Talk KBOI. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today, along with Chris Walton. Taking your calls today, 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI. That's 1-800-529-5264, or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Charlie is checking in in Caldwell today. Charlie, thanks for calling us. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'm doing all right. Good. So you guys had mentioned um, name recognition, specifically that Brad Little has more than whomever else, right? Name equity, I, I think, is what I called it, but yeah, yeah. Name equity, right, okay, okay, name equity. Um, I, I'd argue that that's kind of a null statement right now because we've got a ton of people who are probably going to be voting in Idaho for the first, maybe second time, who right now, Janice McGeehan probably has more name recognition just because it's out there all the time than he does. I think for the and wrong I reason. That I, regardless, right? That's is I, what's the old saying? Any press is good press. Um, and then you've got Bundy. That dude. Everyone knows who that guy is. True. So him not showing up is going to have these eighteen through twenty-five year olds who look at Facebook and Twitter for their news left in the dust because they're not going to see any clips, right? Because that's how they get their news. So the only people you're talking to right now are the people that are listening to your station specifically that have any idea what's going on as far as historically speaking in the last 10 years, right? Uh, I, I'll take your, I take your point, and I, I don't disregard it by any means. I think there are think there are good reasons to have your your name in the press and there are some bad reasons to have your names in the press and janice began hasn't oh, been I, on yeah. the front edge of a good story in a very long time 100 percent agree i i do agree with that it's just we have a short memory as americans we will remember the name not exactly why it was in the news though that's a good, I, that's a good point yeah okay Another good point. Yeah, I I don't find any uh, breakdown in your logic there, Charlie. I just think that, gosh, I, I hope that people understand a little better about the candidates than that Brad Little just doesn't want to talk to them on stage. But I could be wrong. I absolutely could. I, to me, I mean, I've grown up here, and I, I have a fairly decent understanding of what's going on in our political spectrum 
and I think it's lame that he's not showing up. Um, like the one guy said, he's probably been advised against it, which, yeah, is a good move, but at the same time, it's just, I, I expect more out of someone that was voted to represent our, our state um, or, you know, run the state, however you want to put it. So it's a little disappointing for myself to see him kind of back down. You know what? I'll tell you this. You, I, I gave you credit for making some good points. I'll, I'll give you this. If Brad Little did take the stage with Janice Begin and the other candidates, probably would get less press than if he did get on stage with them. I mean, not taking the stage is the story right now, and that's too bad. He's going to have to suffer right. that. I'm not sure that he loses enough votes either way to make any difference at all. You know what the ratings are on those on those debates? Have you ever seen those numbers? Nobody pays attention to them. Well, people don't. It's too bad. I don't. I don't pay attention um, to them. (laughs) People don't necessarily watch them live, but there are people who you know DVR them or record them and watch them later. And there are also people who don't watch the debate, but the next day they do want to read about it in some form or hear about it. Right. And, right. and they definitely yeah, you know, would like to hear the live, highlights. Yeah, live, I don't think they, they generate a ton of numbers, but like I said, in, in the day of clippets and snippets on Twitter and YouTube and Snapchat and whatever else yeah. that people are using to get their news, that's where so many people are, are going to because you get it you get the chunks that you want, right? Because you've got that echo chamber that <laughs> show you exactly what you want to see uh-huh. anyways. So if there's good points for one or the other, that's what you're going to see. So it's unfortunate he's not going to get any of them. Are you feeling differently about Priscilla Giddings backing out? Um, I honestly, I... <laughs> who is she? Well, that I think therein lies a, a good question too. <laughs> That's, there you go. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I mean, sounds I, like you're not feeling I that badly about goofy. it. <laughs> I think it's goofy that anyone would back out of it, um, just because, like I said, I mean, for the most part, it, it's just that old saying: any press is good press. Typically, I mean, regardless of if it's a bad story or not, getting your name out there is not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, yeah. Zero clue on where she stands on anything. So, All right. good enough for me, Charlie. Thank you very much for the call. That's, Appreciate that's you a, listening. That's an old saying too. First, you have to get their attention. Yeah, Mary has uh, written in and says it will not affect my governor's vote this time. It would affect my vote if there was a serious, credible candidate running on the par of C. Slandris. There it is, that word again, credible. If there was a credible opposing candidate, Brad Little would likely show up. As for our underwhelming representatives, their records are viewable. Uh, let's see. Uh, hang on. Okay, uh, their so records are viewable Mike and, not all, in a nutshell. and Mike- not all that fabulous. I'd be curious to hear the ideas from other candidates running for the same seat. It's rather rude to not attend to a political tradition. As for Simpson, 
He is dismissive of others and their ideas. My granddaughter went to D.C. with her high school senior honors group. Simpson was supposed to meet with them, but canceled because he had to vote for something. I think he could have rescheduled. Fulcher showed up for his meet with the students. One of the other two canceled, too, but I can't recall which. I will find out before we vote. My granddaughter now wants to intern on the Hill as a result of her trip. Well, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, I think the word uh, credible means an awful lot when you talk about, especially a gubernatorial debate, you know. Mike Simpson, I would have loved to have seen him take the stage because I think his his opponent is somewhat credible, you know, hasn't done anything or said anything that makes you feel like, well, he doesn't belong on that stage. In the other two cases, I'm not sure that I can make that argument. Yeah. And there again, if you're if you're Governor Brad Little, why step on stage with somebody who doesn't have any credibility? It's, it's just uh, I don't know. That, that's Not, my question. Yeah, it's just something that is done. It's it's part of the political process is having the debates, and and that's been for uh, many 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 years. And it just seems weird that uh, they want to break precedent now. Well, I don't deny it. And again, I would like to see it. By the way, if you want to jump in today, the number 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI. That's 1-800-529-5264 or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. So we are, again, talking about debates. There are some other things that are happening in the news today. I mentioned that Lori Vallow-Daybell is supposed to be jumping in a courtroom at some point today. Um I've been looking for updates. I haven't seen anything yet. So as soon as that happens, I'll I'll bring it to you. Shannon in Meridian, thanks for calling us on News Talk KBOI. Shannon? Hi. Um, yeah, I uh, I voted for Governor Little in the last election. Um, and this is, if he doesn't come out in debates, and I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm really questioning my vote. Um, I feel like he owes it to his voters, his constituents, to get out there and you keep saying Janice McGeehan doesn't have any credibility. Well, that's your opinion. There's a lot of people who think she does have credibility. On, on what? I don't know. I don't. There's people. Well, she, obviously, she has followers. She okay? is the lieutenant I governor. Don't know I mean, what there's that. They are. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you or try to, you know, get you to vote for her because that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the fact that you keep saying she has no credibility. So that's my opinion. You don't like her, and that's fine because you don't like her, and many like you say she shouldn't be on stage. Well, that sounds a little bit woke. That sounds a little canceled. And no, I that that's not like what that. I said. I don't have any problem uh, with her being on stage. All I'm saying is, if I was but, Governor Little. I wouldn't get on stage with her. No, you have said you have. I heard you say it, that you that she has no credibility and people without credibility really should. You're you're saying they shouldn't have a platform. No, (laughs) that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the word credibility is important here. And if I'm the leading candidate for governor, I don't want to get on stage with Ammon Bundy. I don't want to get on stage with Janice McGeehan because I don't think either of them have credibility to be governor. And therefore, I would not get on stage with them. It doesn't do me any good to give them the credibility of being on stage to debate with the governor. Now, that's my opinion. 
But I'm not saying Janice doesn't deserve to be on that stage. And I'm not saying Bundy doesn't deserve to be on that stage. I'm just saying if I'm governor, I don't need to debate them to win. Well, you know, when you talk about the credibility and all of this, well, that's kind of how we ended up with Joe Biden a little bit, too. Well, he doesn't have to talk because of his record, and look what we ended up with. So, no, I feel that the governor, like I said, I voted for him, but I think he needs to stand up. And whether he believes that they have credibility or you believe, some people must. Otherwise, they wouldn't be out there running. Well, that's fair, and I appreciate you know, that. And, and, and regardless of, of, of what... Uh has been said in the past or what they've said about each other or, you know, the, the various things that have happened when the governor left the state, whatever. Uh, it, it's still this debate would be, I mean, there would be other people there as well, but a couple of the people on the stage would be the governor and the lieutenant governor. And it, it seems like at least they should have a debate that we can see. You know, it, it might not be the most fun thing for either one of them, but I still feel like they have a responsibility to participate. Shannon, by the way, thank you very much for the phone call. We'll take a short break. We'll come right back. Last calls of the day and news at the top of the hour. Coming back. Hang on. KBY News Time is 948. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Just about to the top of the hour. Last segment of the program. But Guy is on the line from Meridian. So our last call of the day is Guy. How are you doing, Guy? Oh, what can we do for you? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I was just wondering what, as host, what your opinion is of Janice McGinn's credibility or Ammon Bundy's. Well, I I don't think uh, they hold a lot of political credibility. I, I'm not sure I can give you a great answer in the short amount of time that we have, but I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try here. I think that Ammon Bundy, for the role of governor doesn't hold a lot of credibility, especially when the most recent story about Ammon Bundy is him being thrown in the Gray Bar Hotel for the last 10 days. Now, that's not a guy that deserves the credibility of stepping on the stage with the governor of Idaho to talk about issues. That's what I think of his credibility. Janice McGeehan is the lieutenant governor, and I have a little bit more issue with this because the the office of lieutenant governor itself should give her the credibility to be on that stage and have that discussion. The things that she has done during that time as lieutenant governor and who she has allied herself with leads me to believe that she doesn't have very good credibility. And if while she does have some, I don't want to say she doesn't have any. Still, if I'm Brad Little, I don't want to get on stage with her. Doesn't do me any good. Okay, well, you're not Brad Little, but what I'm saying is, well, what I'm going to say is that um, Brad Little, if he doesn't get on stage, it shows his arrogance, and that shows to the public and and anybody any of the public that's paying attention. I don't know if there's enough people there that are to uh, affect the vote, but that's a good point, though. Paying attention, yeah. The the people who are paying attention are saying, "Well, this is arrogant. He is not representing me." Mm-hmm. Because Janice McGeehan did come out and and oppose the mandates and try to do something about it. So I think, you know, that gives her credibility uh, just in the fact that she's opposing these policies that the governor is promoting. And he's doing it through an emergency uh, powers that he had, that he thinks he has, that he doesn't have according to our constitution. So that, 
you know, our Constitution in Idaho and in a lot of ways our, our national Constitution. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I see there's some credibility there. Guy, you bring up or, good points. Uh, points that, of course, I'm not going to argue with you about. If you feel like she does have credibility, cool, man. It's good. I, yeah, I think I, I think it is a relative term. I'm not necessarily as, call guy. I'm not necessarily as concerned about it simply because there are some candidates I've known who have been uh, politicians for many many years, and I would really rather they not continue, as opposed to maybe somebody new. By the way, Lori Vallodaybell will be in court this morning. I thought she was going to be in at nine o'clock. I know that Chad Daybell is in court as well today, but they're not in co- in the same courtroom. So we'll have updates on that throughout the day for you. And uh, we'll try and give you that information, turn it around as quick as we can. See you guys tomorrow. KBOI News Time is now.